there we go. Let us know. Now you should hear me back again. And we should have a couple, uh, what did Eric call them? All right astronauts with us? I don't know. All we, right. We were getting the funny astronauts there, y'all. So we, we had some different names for your show. Uh, but chat, let us know that you can, you see all of us here again, and you should be able to hear us as well. So let's get started here. You've seen Mike on the show before. Mike Massimino, former astronaut. Mike, you do everything. You've been here before. This isn't your first rodeo, right? No, I, actually, I've, I've never performed in a rodeo. Oh. But well, I have gone to rodeos. But yes, to- I understand the term. This is not my first astronomy night is that, uh, that we've done. And we've done a couple virtual. And we've done some with Garrett, too. So this is has been a while. But but no, I'm happy to be here, John. Thanks for the intro. Uh, so what, what John was alluding to, and folks, thanks for, for tuning in. What uh, John was alluding to when he was talking about our podcast or two, J- Garrett and I recently started a podcast called Two Funny Astronauts. And um, we're not claiming to be funny people. No. We're just claiming to be funny for <laughs> astronauts. So hold us to hold us to that standard. I'm go ahead, Garrett. Bruce could vouch for it. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce I was going to say Bruce, right? Right. I was going to. Yeah, I was gonna, Bruce can vouch for us because he can compare us to other astronauts. We'll get to that. That'll maybe be our first question, Garrett. <laughs> but I do want to. I do want to plug our podcast. Uh, Two funny astronauts available wherever you see your podcast. In fact, I think uh, we're going to be recording this and putting it out as a podcast uh, sometime in the future. So thanks for joining us, Garrett Reisman, and I are co-hosts of that. Garrett's with us. Uh, Today, thanks for joining us, Garrett. Um, uh, we, we have this podcast together. We've had uh, space experiences, but not together, but we like sharing our stories. And the, the guy with us that's joining us tonight is Bruce Nyschwitz. And Bruce, uh, I, I, one of my favorite people. Bruce, we've spent a lot of time together over the years yeah. uh, you yeah. know, in the gym. Uh, I don't know if we were always exercising. A lot of times I was, you know, entertaining you, I think, and you tell me stories about the Cleveland Browns and so on. But but Bruce is a astronaut strength, conditioning and rehabilitation coach. Is that is the or uh, I think they the, call it specialists, specialists. Yeah. But uh, he was in the gym with us and uh, did a lot more than that. Um, Bruce specifically worked my second flight and uh, he got us ready to fly on uh, on SCS 125 and um uh, helped me when I when I had my upper I had my shoulder worked on and Bruce was there to to there you were there in the were you there in the operating room when that happened? I was not. You were not okay, but you were there no. to help me get old get get better after that. And I remember you came to the doctor with me though for an MRI. And anyway, the, the the point I'm trying to make here is that he played a huge role in uh, helping us get ready for space flight um, in the gym. If we had injuries, keeping us keeping us uh, getting through those. He. He worked on my shoulder the night before I launched. Remember that, Bruce? You came into crew quarters to help yeah. us out, and so I've got a lot of a lot of memories with Bruce, and it's so great to see him. And uh, I'll let I'll, I'll I'll let I'll turn it over to Garrett if Garrett wants to say something, and we'll we'll plug away at you, Bruce. Okay. Uh, and uh, and then we'll we'll turn it over to uh, questions from the audience. So yeah, so one of the one of the really cool part. There's all kinds of cool things about being an astronaut that you don't really know about until you get there. And one of them is you have your own gym. So we have this astronaut gym, uh, and it's fantastic. It's like really well. It's it's a really nice gym. It's got we move. We have we're in this old gym that was uh, they was been there since like John Glenn, and uh, that thing was a kind of falling apart. Had that asbestos. Equipment. 
It was worried about astronaut health, and I think the thing was full of asbestos. <laughs> full of asbestos. And it had like old it had like old drinks, like energy drinks or something. You remember when they were clearing it out? They had like energy drinks from like uh, from the Mercury days were in there. That place was old, it's falling apart. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. it was really it would it would leak whenever it rained, which you know happens a lot in Houston. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um so it was bad. It was bad. But it was it was home, you know. I, I still liked that old place. Too. I loved it. I had a lot I of character. I had a yeah, couple of funny quaint. memories in that old place. I remember uh, yeah. one day, and uh, you know, so, so we just talked uh, yesterday about this Virgin Galactic flight and the uh, pilot that was flying the, the the carrier vehicle, the airplane that lifted the <laughs> spacecraft up to the altitude was this guy, CJ. And one day I'm walking into the gym. CJ is a Marine. Man, he's a pretty tough dude. I remember one day they would have these red flag warnings in Houston when it got too hot. You know, so this one day it was like, I don't know, it was like 120 degrees and like 500% humidity. It was some horrible Houston summer day. And uh, so I'm walking into the gym in the air conditioning to, you know, uh, just pedal away in the exercise bike or something. And there's CJ and he's walking out in his shorts and a t-shirt to go for a run. And all I said, and I, and Bruce, back me up on this, but, but you know, you know what kind of guy CJ is. All I said was, hey, CJ, it's a little hot outside today. And he looks at me right in the eye and he goes, Reisman. You think the Marines and Nam had any choice about the weather? <laughs> that <laughs> right, sounds man. like something he, he went say. out and he ran like ten miles or whatever. Uh, yeah, that guy was crazy. I think, I think C, did CJ have the uh, the um, the the chin up record, uh, or was it scorch? Might have been scorch. One of those <laughs> Marines had it. I think it was oh, wait, 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 wait! I Go held ahead. that record briefly. Who you did? Yeah, one year. One year, I, I topped him. Good for How you. many chin-ups did you do? I was doing a lot of kipping things, though. So I, so some people claim <laughs> you did now, what? But, uh, but I had, uh, I think one year, I cracked. Uh, I was, I was up towards fifty. I'm talking about chin-ups, like pull-ups. yes, I'm talking chin-ups. I'm not <laughs> talking about sit-ups. No, I did. I did one year. Are I was you really kidding working. me? You, does Scorch know about this? Scorch was a Marine pilot, by the way. <laughs> who would do got, like this guy my my victory got announced at a monday morning meeting uh by steve smith i think it was because he, he announced it because nobody could believe it i don't like, believe he, it, it. Like a, right now i'm telling you right now i don't <laughs> bruce did you see this look at the records this is amazing i could look it up look it, look up. it up look it up i'm gonna have to look That's it up impressive yeah. somewhere scorch is practicing right now doing chin-ups i'm gonna get wow. that reason uh, he was yeah, in the gym the next day I, I never held that record again but uh but uh, for one year, I, I I beat him. Wow, yeah, that's impressive. Because some guys could do a lot of a lot of pull. I think I was happy if I got a dozen, because that's what I did when I was in the sixth grade. <laughs> we had like a chin up contest, and and I was like, okay, at least I'm back where I was when I was eleven. So, yeah. But any but anyway, Bruce, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, we would love to hear more about what you're up to now, and tell us tell us a little bit about what you you know what you did with us was just. Great, but tell us a little bit about what your job is and and uh, what it was like. If you wanted, if you're you know, brave enough to tell people what it was like to train Garrett and I, yeah, and what you're up to now. What's what's been going on? Um, well, we you know we're focusing a lot more on um, on the commercial side of stuff. So we have a lot more crew going up, uh, at least plan to be going up, obviously. Um, and that's a lot more like the shuttle days, you know, when we used to have the the. Uh, space station was active and then we had shuttles going up and, and we had a lot of different people coming in and out of the gym it's starting to get that way now almost everybody's assigned to something and so we're starting to get a lot more busy 
it, it reminds me of the old days. So, um, you know, the group is uh, just three of us now. And, you know, back in shuttle days, we had six people in that group. Um, we're down to three people, but we have a good team. Um, I don't think you've ever met Stacy Latham. She's uh, newest to the group. She's a seasoned vet now. Okay. Um, she's been with us for six years, I think. Um, I think. I think I might have. It sounds familiar. Was she six years? I might have missed her. You, you probably came I, in and out of the office to say I hi. Left seven, she, I left seven years ago, so okay. can't Yeah, but I think you may have come by and said hi. I think you may yeah. have come by. Yeah. Who um, else is there? Mark is still there? Mark is still there. Right. And, um, you know, he started, he kind of helped start the whole thing off, and he's still around. Yeah. So we have a pretty experienced team. Um, I think we're doing pretty well in that area. Um, which which of the which of the current astronauts would you say is the weakest? Uh, which is the one that uh, <laughs> you, know, you see in the gym and the you're weakest. like, oh man, that's just embarrassing. Like, like, who who is that? Who just? <laughs> oh, you really want me to throw a name out? <laughs> I don't think I can do that. That's your call, man. No, I don't think I should do that. Yeah, no, no I don't think you should. These yeah, people might get upset with me. Actually, everybody, um, every every after you know how they're the old days. Um, it just, uh, there'd be some people that you just didn't see, you know what I mean? It was, they were either busy, they're on some sort of, you know, they maybe they're a branch chief. They have a lot of uh, meetings to, to, to attend or something. I don't know, but there would just be some people that you just don't see. It's a lot different now. Um, I think because the, the core is smaller and maybe there's just a little bit more of a focus on it, but, um, we see pretty much everybody in the gym pretty regularly. It's, it's well, not was, a lot a at the same time and it's a big building. So sometimes you'll walk in there and there might only be one or two people that are working out and then you know, later times in the day, there'll be a lot more. But, um, you know, during the middle of the day, you know, you'll see the, the ones and twos come in. And, and it's 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 a little bit better than it was before where you had a big shuttle crew and you guys would be off doing training for the shuttle yeah. stuff. And and it'd be like, where where did everybody go? You know, and then you get everybody kind of come in as a group, you yeah. know, and they do their workouts. But now it's it's a little bit more consistent, but it's a big building and it doesn't always look like it's it's being used, but we do get a lot of people coming through. Yeah. We should yeah, probably just, a, just, I was going to maybe just go yeah. back a second and, and uh, you know, when Bruce was, when you were talking to just for our audience, when, uh, when Garen and I became astronauts, I, I think when we go up to like 150 astronauts when we were flying space shuttles mm -hmm. and we were putting seven people in space uh, for each, every flight on the space shuttle. Plus we had some flying on the Russian Soyuz. We had a large number of, and we were in all training, Bruce said, like, you know, cause there was 150 of us. So I don't know how many of that group was in active training or in space, but a lot of us were, when you weren't training, you were also supporting and doing things. So, but the number of instructors, that's what, that's what you needed. The, the number of ACEs, ACE, which is the astronaut strength and conditioning and rehab. You called the guys ACEs was the acronym. You had, yeah. you said it was up to six. <clears throat> And now with the 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 astronaut corps is about a third of what it was, I guess, right? You guys are about Pretty much, yeah. about fifty. Yeah. Yeah, so now there's only three. And you're in the new gym, which is the Garrett and I have those great memories of the old gym, which was you know going back, really going back to the beginning, to the original seven. We're in yeah. that gym, and yeah. we they kept that thing around for forty years or however long, and and now when, the new gym is there. When they when they so were a, gonna... lot, a lot of changes since we were there. When they were about to close that place down, I remember going through the cabinets there by that refrigerator yeah. yeah and i pulled out a box that had just all kinds of just files and papers in it and it had charts of of vitamins that people were getting and this yeah. this drink and that drink <laughs> and all this kind of stuff and i looked at all these names and it had you know apollo era guys and it had mercury era guys yeah 
it was amazing to see all this history there. I had to turn That's, it over to the to the historical group at NASA. I called them up, and they're like, they came right over there, like five minutes there over there to yeah. get this stuff, you know, handed well, it over. I, I remember you showing me that. That's what I was trying to think of before, but it was an energy drink or something that they were testing yeah. back then, yeah. like in 1968 or something. Who knows what that's? And they had like Neil Armstrong <laughs> liked it and Gene Cernan did it or whoever, you know, yeah. those guys, John Young was so-so. <laughs> yeah. It buzzed, no way. No way, I'm you know, making that up, but... But it had all those names on there with how they how they felt about this energy drink. It was it was a handwritten grid, yeah. you know, a little handwritten spreadsheet and had everybody's yeah. name written out, check marks on on dates of who took it on did what with what. Yeah. It was pretty interesting to see that. Well yeah. guys, a lot of when, I remember when I first got there, there was a there there, you know, physical fitness wasn't necessarily as serious taken as seriously as it is now. Uh people think that, oh, you know you're an astronaut, so you must be some kind of, you know, specimen. Like you must be like some kind of real uh, incredible athlete, which is like you. clearly not the case, F right? 50 chi 50s chin-ups. <laughs> yeah, right. well, that, 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 yeah, that was, I worked Come on, on that's that. pretty good. Uh, thank you. But, um, but the point <laughs> is um, that, uh, you know, and that was not, not everybody was that into it, the, the going to the gym and stuff. And, 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 and that, and two things really changed that, I think. One was, the uh, advent of the space station. So when the space station started going and we started sending people up there for long duration, you have to work out every day, pretty much, when you're up on the space station to stay healthy. It's our main countermeasure to prevent you from losing the, if you just float around in zero gravity, all right, you're going to lose a bunch of your bone mass. You're gonna lose a whole bunch of your muscle uh, because your body is constantly generating new bone and what makes the body do that is the stimulus of the compressive force when you're walking upstairs, when you're just walking or, or, or doing anything that loads the bones, that tells the bones to make more. And when you're floating around in zero gravity, that doesn't happen. And so you'll lose a bunch of your bone and you'll lose a bunch of your muscle and, and muscles that you don't use, they'll just atrophy away. So when you go to the space station, you have to work out. And so that changed things. And then the other thing was a lot more people started doing spacewalks. Like back when, when I first got to NASA, it was a relatively small percentage of the office that got to do a spacewalk. And that's the one thing that in the, in the shuttle days that you had to be in good physical condition for. I mean, you could be a, a flight engineer or, or a pilot and, and, you know, you could kind of be a couch potato. And we had a lot of couch potatoes in the office back then. You know, we had people that, like Bruce said, you never saw them in a the gym. Yeah, it was embarrassing. Like they couldn't get the zipper up. Stop the, blowing our cover, will you? Know? It's like it's like all <laughs> astronauts are extremely smart and in perfect physical condition, and they are heroes. Let's go yeah. with that. Yeah, some of them were fat. <laughs> oh, it's embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> and then it started changing, and then and then they start really emphasizing it, and and and. Uh, the, the management really started encouraging everybody to get to the gym and they started tracking it and testing us and they're giving us physical fitness evaluations every year and stuff. And that became, uh, it became much more serious. And so Bruce, uh, how uh, today, I assume that that that's still going stronger, even stronger. Huh? It's a, it's a very, it's a very big focus on, on, um, kind of the presentation that they do for, you know, new astronauts or the, even the, uh, you know, the people that are coming into, to apply at the interview time, you know, they'll come in and they, I don't know. Did they do anything like that with you? Where they did they run you guys through any type of uh, workouts or anything like that during your interview no, week? Not not for us, thank God. Yeah. My class, no. Uh, we do that now. Um, it's wow. not like it's it's not like it's a if you don't if you don't do well, you don't become an astronaut thing. But it's it's a uh, it's just a way for them to get a little bit of the that's interesting. Of what we try to do, and um, they can see the gym, and they get to meet us, and and we put them through a little bit of a workout, and it's it's 
it's nothing that's too crazy, but um, it, it does kind of uh, show that that astronauts come from all different walks of life, right? It's yeah, you guys come from from an engineering backgrounds and pilot military backgrounds and uh, you know physician backgrounds and 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 the type of folks that are coming in aren't always stellar athletes like Carrick said, and they're not always even people that like to exercise. And so um, you'll have some people that have what we call a low training age, meaning they don't have a real ton of experience doing that exercise. And you have some other people that maybe played collegiate football or maybe even higher than that. Like, yeah, like uh, velvet, you know, velvet. Yeah. Yeah. NFL so, or, or yeah, hopper, but it was always like, or hopper, yeah, what college football yeah. like hopper. Yeah. I, I think it was always like, it always seemed like no matter what, the better shape you were in, the better you're going to be able to do your job, whether it was in the jet or training for the NBL or whatever it is, the better shape you could be in, the better you're going to be at your job. And so I think that was the incentive there. Bruce, what are some the of the NBL, things? What, what are some of the things you're doing? What were some of the things you're doing? Uh, explain to our audience some of the things you used to do to us, and uh, maybe how that's changed now over the over the years. What are some of the things that you're trying to do? You said it's different for everybody, but. But uh, what are some of the things you're doing and how, why, you, why you would decide to do certain things, getting people ready for space flight? Um, just playing, talk a little bit about that for, for us. Well, you know, um, I, I think Garrett, Garrett touched on a few things. Um, the ISS has those three pieces of equipment. And, um, you know, the ARED advanced, what is it, advanced resistive exercise device. Um, the CVIS, which is the cycle ergometer with vibration, isolation, stabilization and T2, which is the second generation treadmill. Um, so those are the three devices that we have. So a cycle, a treadmill, and a weightlifting machine, essentially. Um, we have to teach people how to do barbell lifting mainly to use ARED. Pretty much everybody knows how to ride a bicycle so they can sit on an ergometer and they can pedal. And pretty much everybody knows how to run now we might not be very efficient at running. Some of us might be poor runners, right? Some people are pretty good at running. Um, maybe they're Marines and they like to run in 98 degree heat. I don't know. <laughs> they just but like to run. They just like to they run. They don't care what's going on. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, we have to, we have to teach people how to use these machines. And so when I first came on, this was in 2006 when I first came on, they didn't have a red yet. Remember what you guys, I think Garrett, I think you used I red. That's correct. And so yeah, I used IRED. It's still barbell type motions, but it's a totally different machine than 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 ARED is. There's a it's just night and day different. So so Bruce, I think when with IRED, uh, we were able to do we we were the, I think the main issue was we couldn't really get the load where we wanted it to be. We couldn't right, yeah. um, you know, it, it, the, the equivalent of like lifting obviously in space you don't lift weights, right? Because yeah, I think that's, it won't do any good. You can right. like you wouldn't believe how much I could bench press in space. Okay, you sure? Wait a minute. When you station. when you when you, <laughs> you set hold, that yeah. pull up record, were you in space? He pull he broke no, that pull up record. That's that was on Earth. Yes, I don't know. Uh, I, really yeah, I read. I read offered uh, three hundred pounds. I think of resistance. All right. So, but at the point, I think for the audience, maybe we just back up a second. That you know, and wait, you're weightless. 
up there. So you can lift 800, you know, I, we lift large objects. I had a 600 pound solar array in my hands while spacewalk didn't weigh anything. So you can bring all the bump, dar, uh, dumbbells you want and you bet, you know, it's not gonna work. So what are you, you're pulling against pulleys and, and therabands and stuff like that to try to get uh, the- Yeah, I read was- So the R in that stuff is resistant. It's mean, you're resistant, right. you're pulling against something. I read was a rubber, what you would have on the ground. I read was a rubber, what was it? Some sort of rubber wheeled type uh, little stack of, of resistance. Um, yeah, it was like a canister that had a stack right, of yeah. like of rubber, um, like donut shaped Wheels, things. And yeah. when you pull in the cool. cores, it would it would it twist. Twisted. That's right. Yeah. Oh. And so, so that offered against that stuff. Yeah, two stacks, and they were both what? I think 150 pounds each. So you get 300 pounds total. If you were a strong guy like Garrett, you're doing a, you could max out 300 pounds pretty easily on a, right. on a squat. And the reason yeah. why is because he's carrying his own weight down here, up there. He's not carrying his own weight, but he's strong enough to. So you, you're basically doing your own 200 pounds of body weight or 180 or whatever you weigh, plus whatever your resistance is on top of that. So a 300 pound total is probably not too, too tough to achieve. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was, that was a problem. So we would compensate by trying to do a lot of reps, a lot of reps and single leg stuff. Yeah. And single leg stuff. Exactly. We did a lot of single leg squats, uh, and, uh, single leg calf raises and all that stuff. And, and, um, and the, and the, and my understanding was that, uh, with in, in Bruce, so this is, I, this is my understanding. I want you to, to, to fact check me on this. So with IRED, we, we were still losing bone mass. We couldn't, we could slow yeah. it down, but we couldn't stop it. So when I came home after being up on the space station for three months, I was about 3% low in my bone density. So they, they, they did an x-ray of my whole skeleton and they found I was missing about 3% of my bone. It all mm -hmm. came back. All right. And funny enough, by the way, it didn't all go back to the same place it came from. So my skeleton now is a little different than it used to be and still feels all right, but you know, uh, so anyway, we were still having this problem, but now I understand we, we, is it true that we've solved this Bruce with, with a red that now that we can do high load and low reps, uh, that, that really kind of, uh, did the trick. I think we're close. I don't think that we've solved it 100%. We've, we've definitely cut that number in half or more, um, from I red to a red, a red offers 600 pounds of resistance and it offers a, a higher amount of, you know, choices for lifting or, you know, really resistance exercise than what, than what IRED did. The IRED does more. And so, um, you have a lot, we have a lot more capability to, to load the, the, uh, the skeleton from the shoulders down. Um, and you could do that on IRED with that, that shoulder pad thing that you guys have to wear. But, yeah, um, I think the, some footage now. Yeah, yeah, the quality of the load though is different. And what I mean by quality is if you, if you remember Garrett, when you would do squats, you might have the thing cranked up to 250 or 300 pounds and that load is pulling down on those, you know, those two canisters had those, uh, you know, those cables that came out and it's pulling down on those shoulder pad things that you were wearing. And when you're standing straight up with it, it's at its highest amount of tension. And when you went down, it would, you kind of unwind those rubber wheels inside those canisters and it would decrease the load. And then when you stand back up again, it would get heavier. But that's completely opposite of what you would experience with weightlifting in, in one G. If you had a barbell on your shoulders, the, but the weight is the same, but you have that inertial force going down. Mm -hmm. And when you reverse that motion, you have to, you have to then compensate for that amount of force that the load is applying to you when you stand back up again. 
And so the force curve is completely opposite on that old machine versus what it is on A-Red. So it's a so, much better yeah. quality of, of resistance load. For, so Bruce, for the, on, uh, on A-Red, like we're watching Peggy right now do the A-Red. Why don't you describe how that works with the pistons? How that Because it's not elastics like I-Red, it's different. It's not, no, it's, it's uh, two vacuum cylinders. Uh, I think NASA did a really good job coming up with that idea. They, they, uh, they use two vacuum cylinders and they both apply it's 300 pounds of constant force in each cylinder. So we get a total of 600 pounds of constant force. And then you can increase or decrease the resistance that you're applying on the barbell by moving the fulcrum up or down within that machine. Kind of think of it as a, as a wheelbarrow. If you have the load closer to the wheel, it's going to seem lighter versus if you have the load closer to the handles. So if you have that, that crank handle turned all the way one way or all the way the other way, it's going to be a totally different load, even though the weight inside the canisters, the weights, right? The resistance is, is, is pretty much a constant. So those vacuum cylinders, they, they have to perform a cylinder evacuation procedure on that machine, you know, and they have to get all that air out of those, out of those cylinders. And uh, once they do, it's, it's a pretty good solid machine. It's 300 pounds of force per canister. So it gives you a total of 600 pounds of force that you have available to you. And Bruce, uh, there's, there's, there's two questions I have here for uh, just to back up a second. The I read, did the I, and that, that's an acronym we've been throwing around. We said A-RED yeah. stands for Advanced Resistance Exercise. Yeah. I read, what, did the I stand for isolatable or isolation? No, it was interim. Interim. So interim. they always okay, knew interim. that it was, it was not going to be the, uh, you know, the answer, but they came up with a right. machine that they thought okay. would work and it was, and it worked for what, nine or 10 years. It, it was, it was good enough to get people up to space and back again after five to six months stay. And they did have bone loss, and we always knew yeah. that it was it was something that they needed to advance Co on. So why don't we, uh, mass, why don't we back uh, up with also, the, with the uh, I'm sorry, we're it, just going to keep talking over each other. The bone, <laughs> the, the, the bone loss. Why why are we doing this anyway? Maybe just to explain to the audience, we've been getting into a lot of technicalities of the machines, but but as far as the bone loss, Bruce, I mean, we, I mean, we know why that happens. Why don't you explain to our audience why it's important to do this so you don't get the bone loss? Why so, do we get bone loss in space? Well, you know, those, like Garrett said, those forces that uh, you would have applying to your, your, your body in everyday life on earth, they just don't, you guys just don't experience them up there. Any, any forces, even just sitting in a chair, you have gravitational forces on you. And when you work against resistance, you're, you're strengthening muscles and you're strengthening the bones just because of the forces that are being applied to all those structures in your body. Um, osteoporosis is, is a problem. As we all get older, we, we could lose bone mineral density. And if an astronaut is spending a lot of time in space and we have these effects of weightlessness or zero gravity, microgravity on those bones, and they come back with, with less bone that they have to then rebuild. And like Garrett said, it comes back in a different configuration than what it was prior to his space launch. Um, that could be that could be detrimental to his later adult life, um, you know, maybe a hip fracture or something else, and we want to prevent that kind of stuff. And so you you can not only do do right by the astronaut by having a countermeasure in place, but you can also learn from all this to help anybody that's you know earthbound that that might develop any type of fractures in the in the future. We can learn about osteoporosis in that way. So so it's all good. Now, I thought it was something, no, maybe Garrett, you told me this at one point, but it was something because it was, it was a loss of calcium that you would void more calcium, and that's why you're, where you had the... the uh, you leach calcium, yeah. What's that? You, you leach it. <laughs> you, you, your body gets rid of it. Yeah. 
in, or in, in space more than we do but on but, uh, Earth. But you can't, people ask me this all the time. They're like, well, why don't you just take calcium supplements? And, and uh, mm-hmm. that won't work because it's, it's not that your body isn't getting enough calcium. It's that your body isn't doing anything. It, it, the body is, is, is lacking the stimulus um, that, that, that causes the bone to regenerate and, and make more bone. It's not a mineral deficiency. It's not, it's not, it, so you can like, pop all kinds of calcium and mm-hmm. you're just going to leach more. Right, Bruce? That's great. Mm-hmm. Or get kidney yeah. stones. <laughs> or get, yeah, kidney stones, yeah, which is bad. Not fun. No. No, so you have to have a countermeasure in place. Exercise is, is one of the best countermeasures. They do have, uh, you know, medication that you can take, but I I don't know. It's I don't know a lot about that that side of it. Um, but there was, you know, there was that study that went on, I think, back when you guys were both in the core with the bisphosphonates. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I don't know. I don't have any idea who, who signed up for that kind of stuff. But, you know, there is that, that drug that, that uh, operates on the bones. But, you know, I, I think exercise is really the best. It's the best medicine for this. Just resistance exercise and running and, and cycling. And uh, the running and cycling that uh, the workout that you design for the astronauts nowadays it's a combination of everything, right? It's a little bit of everything every day, or how, how does yeah, that they, how does that all go? They get uh, we get two out two and a half hours assigned to an astronaut every single day, and that includes prep and and post, you know, so preparing for the exercise plus your cleanup time, and uh, but two and a half hours a day every single day that's that's a big chunk of time, and that that time is allotted for resistance exercise on that ARED device now. And then they, they basically, you know, go back and forth from the cycle and the treadmill and um, not daily, but every other day, maybe or something like that. Two days here, three days there. So they kind of split it up between the cycle and the treadmill for your cardiovascular training. And so my group would then design these exercise sessions for the crew members to perform. And they're all available there on the machine because they're all driven by, you know, some sort of computer application. Even ARED has a computer application, although you can you can operate it completely manually without any type of computer assistance. It, it basically tracks everything that you do through the through the software. And so my my group divides to divide. We we design these these uh workouts and we have them all available for the crew. And they they do their thing and then they it all that data gets collected by the machine and we get it whenever it comes down to us. It could be daily or you know it's probably no not much of a need to look at it every single thing daily, but we have the ability to look at quite a bit of stuff data wise on a, on a daily basis from each crew member. And we can make changes on, on what we think they might need based on their performance. So there's a lot of, a lot of different, um, a lot of different things we can do The you know, the cycle itself is just a basic cycle. You know, you, you push against the resistance of the pedals and you can, increase or decrease your RPMs and you can increase or decrease the, uh, the amount of resistance on that flywheel that you're trying to spin. So it, it doesn't work a whole lot differently than a, some sort of commercial exercise bike. And we, we, we design these, these exercise sessions for the crew based off of their pre-flight testing that you guys have to do. Remember the, the VO2 max test, Gary? Mm-hmm. Remember doing oh, that? Yeah. I bet you oh, yeah, that. I remember that thing. Breathing into the, into <laughs> that. That was a lot of fun. Tube, huh? Yeah, bringing that tube and then they make you give it all you got and you're about ready to pass out. You're turning red. It was. You have some people from the exercise lab yelling at you, keep going. Keep yeah, going. <laughs> come on, you wimp. 
Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we would take that score and then we would, you know, put it through a little bit of a formula that we have and it, and it gives us our, our rides that we might prescribe for a crew member. And T2 is a little bit similar to that. We, we have people do some running on the treadmill or outside and we, we basically get their performance scores off of that and we, we design just runs on T2 based off of intervals or distances and that kind of stuff. So Bruce, based on all that data that you have and uh, all that stuff was downlinked and stored by the computer, uh, who could who, who could bench press more, me or Mass? <laughs> Absolutely, you. All right, that's that's what I want. Excellent, thank you. That's, yeah. that's what I thought. Because Mike, yeah, so did you ever do? Did you ever do the uh, CrossFit stuff in the astronaut gym? Did you ever do that CrossFit you stuff? You didn't do any of You know, you didn't do any of that. I remember he did one day. He said, "What's up with all this CrossFit stuff?" I said, yeah. "Well, it's not CrossFit. You know, it's just we just have these workouts that are." you know, kind of similar to it, but it's more based on what you guys need. And, but we're not trying to promote anything here. And he's like, I'm going to try it out. I'm going to try it out. So I had him do, remember that thing called Fran? Yes. Fran. Oh yeah. Right. Where you do the, you do the, what are they called? The, uh, the front squat with thruster, you know, Mm -hmm. the thrusters is what they call them, but the front squat with the push press. And then you have to go and do pull-ups. Right. And then you go back to the thruster (laughs) and then you go back to the pull-ups. And so it's like a, a whole bunch of these and then a whole bunch of those. And then you got to do a little bit of these more and a little bit of those and a little bit more. And then you got three rounds and it's, it's, it's a, it's a buster. So yes. yeah, Mike, did yeah, that. No, I, he's yeah. jumping the whole time doing the pull-ups because he's so tall. <laughs> and he you gets have video of this? It. Is there no, any video? He, but he gets done with it and he goes, I don't know what the big hype's all about. <laughs> that was, that was easy. No, the, cro- the CrossFit, I think the only time I did the CrossFit, I think you guys taught it to me from when I was away. Like if I was, there was stuff you could do that you didn't need a lot of weights. And it was some like, you know, you would oh, run around and do push-ups and sit-ups. But when I was in a gym, we lifted weights like old school from what I remember. You had me doing squats every day. If you weren't That's squatting, right. you weren't right. living. And so I don't know. I mean, I don't know about that record for the, you know, for your for your sit-ups. But you had me pretty strong, Bruce, when before I went went up to Hubble, which required a lot of strength. I, I remember, I remember. I, I don't know, man. Couple back, days you know, I'm sure Garrett there. would kick my butt now in a bench press, but I don't know. Back then you had me pretty strong. Garrett, the last couple know. days before he left for, for the Cape, he was ripped. There you go. I'm telling you, this guy was balked up. He was, that's just, he was looking that's good. Just, that, that was only because he knew he was going to be on TV. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> he was working hard, man. He was working hard. Remember we had the, uh, we had that old cable column machine, and we had the got to pull the stack. Yeah, you get the shirt. Yeah, you get the shirt to pull the stack. You had me. I think I pulled the whole stack on the machine. I or I got close. That. I don't know if I ever did it. I that was a lot we, of weight. Wasn't there a hamburger involved in something like uh, that? that th- I think what it was. I said, if I can do this, if I can pull that whole thing, you get. You should win a shirt. I pulled the stack. That whole <laughs> right. thing. I don't I know if I ever stack. got to it, but you got me pretty close. Wow. Yeah. I think it was. Well, a, I got, a, set, big weights. a whole set of reps, not just one. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Well, I. I got a story if you if you'll indulge me for the, the um we were uh, we were doing this CrossFit stuff and I thought it was CrossFit you know and, well and, it and was it, you know we borrowed everybody everybody borrows stuff in strength conditioning yeah. right well CrossFit was kind of the big thing at the time and um, people were starting to get interested in it and if it was going to get people into the gym we were going to try it <laughs> yeah. the other thing that we liked about those types of workouts those quick interval and high intensity workouts was you could get a lot of reps in and a lot of exercise in and half hour to 45 minutes when you guys would come in and you didn't have a lot of time. 
They give you an hour on yeah. your schedule and you have to come to the gym. First of all, you have to come from across campus. You got to come to the gym, get changed, do a workout, get showered up and get back to a meeting in like an hour, hour and a half tops. And it's like, well, we, can we do these regular workouts like we used to do in the old high school days where you have your card and you're doing, okay, I got my three sets of 10 on the bench. Now I'm going to go do some curls and then we're going to do we can't do that with that amount of time. So we started yeah. throwing in these other types of workouts where you had. It was great for that. And, and it was great because um, also it was different every time. I really liked that yeah. aspect of it too. Cause it, it, it didn't, uh, it got, it didn't get boring. Um, yeah. But so I thought I was getting pretty good at <laughs> it. I was doing a lot just, of this stuff and I was really getting into it. And then what happened was I go to New York. Okay. Cause my, my, my wife is pregnant with, and she's going to give birth to our son. We went to New York city he was born in Columbia Presbyterian. And I was like, I went to this Equinox gym at, at uh, Union Square, right? And, if, and, and it had a special for it, like, so I got it really cheap. And I go in there, and they're, like, giving me a tour of the place, and it's really fancy. And they got these, like, they're eucalyptus. Nice gyms. Huh? They're nice gyms. They're really nice. They're really nice. And they had these, like, eucalyptus-scented towels. And I'm laughing at that. Like, come on, you know, that's, like... So foo foo. I there's no way. Charlie never gave you guys Charlie never gave you guys any eucalyptus scented towels. We never got eucalyptus scented towels in the astronaut gym. No. By the way, Charlie was our Charlie was the guy that took care of the locker room when we were there. He retired, I think, even when I was there. Gone a while, but yeah. Yep. So uh so then but just to try something different, I went to a CrossFit box right there, like by Madison Square, okay just to try something. So I go in there this one day and they start out with this lesson and they're teaching us like how to run. And I'm like, really? You know, I've been running ever since my, my mom was chasing me. You know, I was a little boy, you know, when yeah, I did yeah. something wrong, I've been running. And you I don't understand I it's, it's New York city. They can complicate anything. <laughs> You're right. So I'm running and, and, the, and they're giving it, then there's like, there's like heel toe, heel toe. And I have this, this Charlie's angels thing where they have us like hold our hands like this. So they minimize the movement of our shoulders to, to, to conserve energy. I'm like, whatever, I got this. This is like lame. And then we start the, the workout. And the first thing was, how do you say this, Bruce? Is Tabadia? Tabata. 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 The Tabata squats. And so we start doing And what it is is like, it's like do as many squats as you can in 30 seconds. Right. But then after the 30 seconds, you get to rest. But you have to rest in the in down in, the in down the position. So yeah. Yeah. So you're down low and, and then 10 seconds and then like they give you like 10 seconds of rest or is it 10 seconds, whatever. And then you do another round. 20, 10. Yeah. So I'm going gangbusters at this. I'm like, 30, I got 10. this. And I'm, I'm like, I, I did all the squats and then I rest. And then, and then, and by the time I got to like the seventh round, I'm hurting. I'm like hurting real bad. Okay. Yeah. And all these other people around me, they know what they're doing and they're doing great. And, and, and by the time I got to like the 12th round, I could barely, do like three of them. Okay. I'm like, I'm, and then they say, okay, now we're going to run. And the entire class like sprints down four flights of stairs that go outside the run. And I'm, I'm like, I can barely stand up now. My, my legs aren't working anymore. And I'm holding on to the handrail, like going down, trying to get outside. And by the way, it's like 30 degrees out there wintertime in New York. Right. And, 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 and I, I was so, I was in so much pain. I couldn't even tell it was cold and I'm out there and I start trying to run. And I and, and and the whole class is gone. Like I, I can't even see them. And I'm going around the route, and we had to do laps. And we came past the the, the instructors, and the instructors are like yelling at me uh, as I'm lumbering down, you know, around Madison Square, and they're, they're yelling at me, heel toe, heel toe, shoulder <laughs> movement. And I'm like, 
hey, screw you guys. <laughs> I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> it's just a survival situation. I'm dying here. I barely, I barely lived through that. And then, and then, and then, uh, I, I hobbled because I could barely walk. I, I really, actually, couldn't walk for like two days after this. And I, I hobbled over to the Equinox. After it was over, like I got the two blocks over to the Equinox, and I took some of those eucalyptus scented towels. Yeah. <laughs> Going to steam room. You yeah. earned it. Oh, man. You earned yeah. it. Well, I remember, yeah, you guys, I mean, I, the CrossFit for me, you know, uh, I, I just would go in there. You know, Gareth saying, like, I used to kind of like the same routine. I think we got into a point where you just, I would rotate three or four days yeah. the same thing yeah, with you guys, and you card. guys would crack the whip and, and uh, Corey was there, another one of our in instructors. And uh, yep. yeah, he would he would weigh me. There was a, a time period there he would weigh me. And if I gained weight, he'd put that some kind of thing on top of me that added weight, like I needed more. But he would, and then he would make me walk around and like doing these squat walks and stuff like that. So mainly I got in there and got tortured by you guys is what I what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. But it was good because it got us it got us ready to go. So, it got us ready to go and it was fine. But Astronaut yeah. CrossFit is not CrossFit. I'm just going yeah, on the yeah, record. Stay away from the public ones. The real yeah. thing is way harder. <laughs> there's, yeah, one, there's one other thing I think we might want to touch on before we go to, when are we going to questions, John? Are we going, uh, is there a time we have to do that? Or? Yeah, we've got like 15, 20 minutes. Okay, if y'all cool. are still, yeah, we got some questions though. So but I wanted to, uh, I, I want to touch on the rehab part of it too, because you guys get yeah. us ready to fly and then you describe some of the things that you do, you know, in the shuttle system, Garrett on the, on the station on the shuttle was a bit different. We weren't, we did, we had, we didn't have the ARAD or any of that on the shuttle. We had therabands and we had a uh, an, er an ergometer bike to ride and so on. But we were only there for 14 days. But but still, there was uh, with you know we did have training to get ready to do our spacewalks and then we tried to keep fit during the flight and then we had a little bit of rehab. But your rehab mainly, I think, kicked in with the long duration. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? About how that that evolved when you first started and and what what's changed since Garrett and I were there. Okay. Um, well, the, uh, what you're, re what you're referring to is, um, the post-flight, the post-flight phase, right? So somebody yeah. would be on space station for five, six months or whatever, and they come back and obviously they're, they've been working out. So they're, they're probably pretty strong and they can probably have a, you know, a pretty high score on a VO2 max test if you were to test them, but they're used to doing all this in microgravity. So to, to acclimate them back to one G and exercising in 1G, what we do is we just put them through a 45-day reconditioning that we call it, and uh, it's just a program that we have. It's it's uh, you get scheduled daily for 45 days straight, two hours a day, and you come to us. And um, that time is protected on your schedule. It can't just be taken off, and so they can send you to a meeting or whatever. It's it's like gold. You're not touching it. And um, crew member comes in to us every day for two hours. And we put you through the ringer for two hours, and it's a it's a progressive program. Obviously, you can't just go right at it the first day. The first day might just be, you know, baby steps. You know, you're just going to start walking and working on some mobility and some stretching and and some cardiovascular training and stuff like that. But by the end of the of the 45 days, you're right back to doing what you were doing prior to your your flight in the first place. But we have we have some days we basically break it up into a weight room day, and then we have a what we call like a functional movement day where we do a lot of stuff on the court, we use some med balls, some cone drills, some, a lot more movement in general. It's, it's more, uh, I don't know. It's just gross movements uh, that, that are, you know, are across spaces as opposed to just lifting weights in the gym where you're just trying to get stronger. And 
so we, we just have a program that we put, put together years and years ago, um, and, and we make little changes to it as, as we go on. Somebody might go to a conference and say, hey, I saw this, you know, that they did this at this conference, and I really like it, I want to try it out. So they try it out with the crew member, and maybe, it, maybe it's something that really responds well, crew member responds well to it, or maybe it's just something else that's just different. It, but we like to, we don't want it to be stale. You know, sometimes things can become stale. Even if they work well, they can become stale, especially for us because we'll just do the same things with the crew members over and over and over. Sometimes we, sometimes we like to throw a little different things at them. But essentially, it's a reconditioning program. It's 45 days. It starts right on day one when you come back from space. Um, Garrett, I think you, you landed at Kennedy. So yep. with what, a day later you were at the gym? Yep, the next day I was there. Yep, And uh, and I think I worked right with you quite it. a bit then. But- but hey, Bruce, do you remember what was the, like the most important part of my rehab program? What do you remember what you helped me out with? What was the I, most ice important cream? Thing? pull-ups? No, no, not pull-ups. <laughs> what, do you remember? I know. I don't throwing, throwing a baseball. Oh, that's right. Oh, we did. We did. Yeah. This is good. I had to give a. I had to throw a first pitch oh, at, a, at a Yankees game. And and like on, on the, my first day back on Earth, I'm like Bruce, we got to work on this, man. We went out <laughs> back. I don't want to embarrass myself. We went out back, and Mike, you remember that door that went out back from? Yep, the, from we used the to do. We there. did the same thing with me. We was, we hit though too. We was a little bit lower, you know, towards the one end. There was that telephone pole there, yeah. and we yeah. measured off how far it would need to be. And the yep. first pitch, Garrett winds up and he throws that thing as hard as he can, and it goes straight over my head and bangs <laughs> that pole and goes right back to it. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty bad. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm the right guy for this. This might not be the right thing. I think you work with me on that too, though, Bruce, with throwing in it. Yeah, I worked with a lot of people. When we had, do you remember when we had we took batting practice? Batting I think practice, Garrett, you yeah. might have been training for a flight. Do you remember we did the BP thing? We did, yeah. And we used to go out to the ball fields, and yeah. uh, and because we yeah, took batting practice, we got to take Astros. batting practice with the the Astros came in for a tour, and. Uh, and, and they they covered it. I remember they they you know they the, the news covered it, and it just so happened it was a guy named his last name was Barajas. I can't remember his first name, I remember but he was like name. the newscaster. He's probably still doing it. And I was yeah. coaching his son. And his son was on my basketball team. It was my son Daniel's age, and he goes and says when the the sports reporter reports says how they the Astros came and flew the simulator, he goes and says I think the astronaut should go to Minute Maid and and which is the ballpark and take batting practice. With the Astros and see how they do. And I was like, this is the greatest idea. So I called the guy up. I go, you got to make this happen. He goes, I'll see what I can do. And so sure enough, the group of us that was involved with the tour got a chance to, to take BP. But then we had a practice. That we had, we practiced a lot for that. Do you remember that? Yeah. I remember it was. Oh, I had a sore shoulder after throwing. Yeah, you were throwing. We, were throwing <laughs> we had Shane, Shane Kimbrough, who pitched yeah. at West Point, was throwing BP. Ken Ham. Ken Ham. Could yep. really Ken throw. Ham. He came out and he was helping yep. us try to learn how to hit again. And, uh. One of those, do you remember when we did it inside? It might have been Corey with me, but it, it was, was Corey, raining, and, and I wanted to. And you did it so in the racquetball court. We right, we hit, we hit softballs, <laughs> and, and, but we hit him in the uh, in like the handball court, and then we're making a, and I'm hitting him, you know, and this is a small place, right, Garrett? You know, the yeah. handball court, yeah. and we're yeah. banging a crack, you know, bang, bang, it's like batting into the net or batting. Yeah, into we're the but we, batting we're smashing wall. it against the wall, and Dave Wolf, you know, I think <laughs> handball was a very popular sport in the '60s. Because they had like four of those handball courts. Remember in the gym? Yeah. So I think those guys back in the, you know, they would play handball all the time. But then because of all this CrossFit jumping around, they didn't need the handball court anymore, apparently. 
and uh, and we were doing that in there. And Dave Wolf was the only guy still playing handball. I think I don't remember anyone else playing handball. With, no, but he opens the door. And he goes, "What are you doing in here?" I go, taking a little BP. <laughs> he goes, you're going to wreck the room. It's not going to work anymore. We're going to have to redesign the whole thing. And we're like saying, okay. He always used that same court there. Yeah, he always used that same court. Then he left, and Corey's like, all right, let's keep going. Bang, bang. <laughs> so, yeah, the, he was back the there, pitch. Like, every day playing that. that that's great, though, the pitch. And, yeah, he was always playing. I don't know who he played. I think he had to recruit people because I think it was the only guy. He would come yeah, in with some friends. He had, he had a friend that used to come in and play with him every day. Who's that? Who's that? I don't know what it's. It was just a friend of his. Your friend his would come in because I don't think anyone else played handball except for Dave. And so yeah, we yeah felt kind of bad, but we needed to get our reps in. But it worked. We had a good outing out at the at the ball field, and you got you Garrett and, and I ready to throw pitches. That was fun. Did you hit one out? No. <laughs> no, we. Uh, I got it. I got it to the warning track, but I couldn't get it out of the, the warning ball. track. Okay, that's come pretty on, good. Man. Yeah. Come well, on. It, it, what you realize when you try something like that. Uh, you realize the skill that these that these yeah. guys have. The guys yeah. that are professional players, they're prof- Gary, when you threw out your first pitch, did you have? I know you practiced with Bruce, but when you threw it, did you have a professional who caught it? Was it uh, was it a, so, was it one of the players? Uh, I threw one in Yankee Stadium, and it was caught by um, uh, Benji Molina. Oh, good. Okay, you could catch Benji it. Molina, or which which was the Molina? There's there's three Molinas, the right? Well, Yadier's always played with the Cardinals. It's not Yadier. Uh, it, it was the Yankees catchers. I think it was Benji, okay. right? No. I think that's right. One of the Molina brothers. One of the There's Molina. There's a third one. I can't remember his name right now. but. And then uh, Ellis. Uh, Ellis was the catcher for the Dodgers. I, I threw one out uh, in Dodger Stadium, and he caught it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, you want – but the thing is, you realize they can really catch. Did they let you from the, the, from, the, the uh, from the mound, or did they put you in the grass? For, oh, it's a, so it's a long story, which we'll save for another episode because it, it takes too long. To, we're running out of time. <laughs> Does here, that mean but, you threw from the grass? No, I threw from them. Uh, the short answer is I threw from the mound in Dodger right. Stadium and from the grass in Yankee Stadium. Oh, no, I threw from the mound. I got to throw in a Yankee Stadium and let me go to the mound. Uh, and I, I've always, I always threw from the mound, except one, <laughs> except once in Detroit when I found out at the last minute. But that's a whole other story. And that, that didn't go well because you need to practice for these things. But my point was yeah. is that – You guys didn't dribble but, it to the catcher at all, did you? Didn't, you actually got it to the – No, I got – well, that's – the one in Detroit didn't go well. It was a last-minute thing. I couldn't warm up for three weeks like I did with you. But um, but when, when I threw it – when I threw the one at uh, – the first one I threw was at Shea Stadium. It was a Yankee-Meth game. And John Franco, the pitcher, was going to catch my uh, – I threw his shirt and, and his jersey, and he was going to catch it. And – I remember the advice I got was just don't bounce it. You get it anywhere near, near Johnny is what the manager, Billy, Bobby Valentine, told me. said, so you get it near Johnny, he's going to catch it. And sure enough, I mean, I, I threw it in. It was, it was around the strike zone, but he just very, you know, just snagged it just so, so cleanly. It's like, wow, he's pretty good. Even just mm-hmm. cat, they have a lot of skill. So with the hitting, uh, you, you realize these, these guys, and they're not very big. A lot of them were smaller than I was, and they have so much power. I mean, they were able to jack that thing. At, you know, they could just smash. Yeah, that's amazing. There's a lot of skill. They get a lot of bat speed or whatever they need to do it. But yeah, I would love yeah. to be as talented as the worst baseball player in Major League Baseball. Yeah, yeah, they they really have special ability. That's for sure. Yeah. So I bet they couldn't do as many pull-ups as Garrett, though. I still nah, can't get over that, Garrett. For you, that should be the first word. I mean, I don't know what you did. You should use that as an advertisement or something, Bruce. That has got to be – Garrett, that should be the first line on your resume. Because with yeah. the guys we had, and you said not everyone was in shape, and maybe that's true. 
But we had so many guys who were so physically fit, you know, Navy SEALs and Marines and these people. I know, but Matt, really look, look, fit. I'm, I'm like five and a half feet tall. It, it, I don't have to go nearly as far. All right. I just got I just I got to get the scorch has got to go like like he's got a long way to go. I don't get that far to go. It's easier for me. Scorch would knock him out like he'd do like 25 yeah. and then he would hang for a while. Right. Because the rule was you could keep going as long as you didn't get off the bar. That's right. right. So he That's would right, hang yeah. for a while and rest. On the, then he'd knock out like another 20 and then he'd hang there and rest. Yeah. But uh, but I remember you saying, it's funny you say that because I remember uh, saying that to, uh, I don't know, either you or Corey or someone, the other, you know, the other the other guys in the gym about not being able to pull, or not being able to, to push or something. And you go, ah, it doesn't matter. How much can you pull? It's how much you pull. Because with the longer arms, you have a better a better chance to pull, I guess. Talking about what, what I told you? Someone told me that. It's not what you push, it's what you yeah. can pull. Yeah, I was making you feel good, Mike. Yeah, you were trying to tell me because I couldn't put like Garrett saying, you kicked me, you know, Garrett could probably kill me in the, in the bench press now that we're looking at it from, you know, from I, the, you know I think I said you're doing more work than everybody else because you're moving your amount of weight a further distance than they are. I don't know. You tried to do something and so I would come back the next day. I think that's <laughs> Did it what, work? It, what it really, yeah, you guys. And it was a lot, of, there was a lot of that going on in the gym too, was, was kind of miniature therapy sessions. We didn't call it that, but. There, were time, there was one time I went to the gym and got dressed and talked for about an hour and went back in and took a shower. And I didn't do any exercise at all. I just because it was it was also a place. Our gym yeah. was a place where you got to see people and trade stories and see what was going on. It was always it was kind bet. of a fun, a kind of a fun place to go, uh, you know, just not only to work out, but to see people. It was really I, know, I really I really missed that part of it, too. The, the socializing. Yeah. The we always were willing to lend a lend an ear to what you guys are yeah. trying to talk about. Some guys have just come in. That's all. They just want to get somebody to, to, to chew on a little bit yeah. while they're doing yeah. some exercise. I just need to talk to somebody about this thing that's on my mind and they just tell us I what's mean, going on. And then you put them through the ringer and they keep talking about stuff and, and in between sets and, yeah. and then they feel better about it and they, they move on. Yeah. That's what I think you were it's doing. It's a good stress reliever, right? I say, yeah. and, and Bruce, like you, you're talking about how you like, we're pumping Mike up and making him feel good. I mean, you have a good bedside manner. Uh, but I can't say the same for, you know, your, your colleague there, Mark. <laughs> Mark <laughs> right, is a sweet why guy. Don't, why don't we introduce Mark, Mark to the guy. conversation, Garrett? We've got, so far we talked about, we have Bruce. We talked a little about Corey Twine, who went on to Corey the Twine, University yes. of Michigan. He went on to train people at the University of Michigan, which I thought was a setup because he was a huge Michigan State fan. That's and right, he hated yeah. the university. So I thought they were going to lose every game. But I think, you know, in his being a conscientious trainer, he did very well there. Yeah. But he was, and so now go ahead. Garrett, yeah, in, in the early days, Mark. it was in the very beginning, it was Mark Williams and, and then Beth Shepard. Yeah. yeah. Beth, Beth, really. You yeah. remember Beth? Yeah. I, I never oh, actually yeah. met Beth. Oh, she was she was tough as nails. No, oh. that's what I hear. <laughs> she was married yeah. to Bill Shepard, who was yeah. one of the astronauts, but but also a Navy SEAL. And yeah. they were quite a they were, a, I don't know, a different definition of a power couple. You know, in New York City, <laughs> the power couple is who's the mayor and his wife or something. You know, but in there, they were. They actually had power. They were very strong people, the two of them. Very, very Mark, thick, strong Mark's people. a great guy, too, though. Mark, uh, Mark was yeah. uh, a lot of fun. I really, it, it, he was very helpful. You know, he always had good advice. Yeah. I really enjoyed, uh, you know, working with him in the gym. And he, he, he would, he would um, I mean, he would, he would, he would, he would uh, uh, talk your ear off about, like, whatever you wanted to know. Uh, he was just a font of information. So I really enjoyed working with him in, in there at all. It was great. You just, have to, you just have to ask him the right question. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. <laughs> He's Certain a good guy. 
Yeah, yeah, he's a really good guy. He likes South Park, and uh, South you, can Park. Get him, you can get him going on political <laughs> oh, yeah. discussions too. He's, he's pretty well read, actually. Do, he, he does yeah. a lot of he yeah. does a lot of reading on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, it was fun times, but that was a great. Yeah, it, was, it was great. It was great to have a job where you we like you get paid to go work out. That's an interesting point right there. That, yeah. that was, yeah, that was part of it. You got paid to go to, you were expected to go to the gym and do, do things, even though people might not have all the time or been motivated at different times. That was part of your, that was part of your work day. Think about that. That was a pretty yeah. good job we had. Yeah. And they did. I know you said we were coming from different places, but, but you'd made it as easy as possible for us to do that. We did, you know, we had reserved parking spaces and we had, um, <laughs> You know, people would do our take care of our laundry. So we and you guys were there to help us get a workout in, and we still so you have made it as same, easy as possible thing. for us to do it, which is important because it's not getting too hard. And you can't, you know, if you can't get there or whatever. Yeah, but we have uh, we yeah, have a quality facility. It, it's well maintained. It's well equipped. It's a it's a it's a nice sized building because, like you said, when we first planned for that building, it was for like a like you said, 150 astronauts, and now we're yeah. we're down to a lot fewer. But originally, that that was the plan to have a lot more people in there. Um, so it, there's quite yeah. a bit of space. There's quite a bit of equipment. And honestly, I, I think you can, other than some real specialized gyms, you know, like a rock wall gym or, you know, mm -hmm. like orange theory or something like that, that is, that is, has a singular focus, you know, yeah. our gym is pretty well equipped. And I think you can, you can adapt to pretty much any kind of exercise regimen that you want to follow. It's, it's available for you there. And yeah. And so, uh, I think it's a good place to be. And I think we're about ready for the Q&A, but I do have one thing I want to end with. Uh, if you don't mind, Bruce, if you could add, just comment. You know, Garrett and I are astronauts, and you got us ready to fly to space. But do you have any general guidance for our audience? Maybe they want to go to space, but let's say for people who are not astronauts. Garrett, Garrett and I are former astronauts. Do you have any just general fitness tips or things to think about quickly that we should keep in mind that apply to everybody, whether or not you're going to space? Yeah, I would, I would say that um, there's always something out there for everybody whether it's going on walks, going on hikes, um, cycling and, and swimming and sports like tennis or basketball or something like that. There's always something that somebody likes to do and you find something that you like to do first and you do it. Just find something that you like to do and just start doing it. Everything will blossom from there, but find something first that you like to do, start doing it and start doing it on an everyday basis. And uh, well, if you can get to every day, if you have the time. Some people just like to go out and just jog, and I don't have any problem with that. Um, <laughs> I don't really want to do it, <laughs> but some people like to do that. So find something you like to do, number one, and, and do it. That's the number one thing. Um, you can get into more nitty-gritty on specifics with, with it as far as training and everything, and that can come later. But I think the first step is just to do something. Get off the couch, go do some work, go build something. I don't know, but do yard work. I don't know. People like to do gardening and keep them healthy and mind, mindful. So find something you like and do it. I think that's the number one thing. Well, well Garrett's out there building a treehouse right now, which is if you follow him on Instagram, it's pretty cool. So he's got it nailed. I do. I'm trying to get my son more active, though, and stuff. I mean, I got to convince him that uh, Kerbal Space Program doesn't count as exercise. Hey, it doesn't? No. Wait a no. second. How about, the, how about the steam room? Does that count? Bruce, let's have guys who sit in the steam room. I'm not touching that. We have, we have shirts and everything. What do you mean? You know he's wearing that, Garrett? Sorry, John. Sorry. <laughs> That's funny. 
Um, this, this is the best I got. I've never trained as an astronaut, but I have a, I have a shirt that says property at Kerbal Space Academy. Um, Did you know he was wearing that shirt, Garrett? No, I know he was into it. I know he actually helped my son out with the Kerbal. All right, he hooked right, him up with a it, private lesson. It. It was, uh, yeah, I, I, I think Buster, by the way, my son Buster is downstairs watching this right now. So oh, nice. If you have any Kerbal Hey, Buster. Good work on the treehouse, buddy. It's impressive. Oh, we have a ton he did of all it. the stain, all the stain on the on the yeah, on the deck. That's him. And, and he did all that. He's the stain yeah. master. He's the stain master. Excellent. If you talk slow enough, I can bring up a picture of it. You know, <laughs> nah. no, we don't have to go there. Wait, let's go to the Q&A. It's right here. Look, look at this fine oh, looking yeah, tree. Oh, wow. Look at that. Come on. It's like <laughs> it looks fantastic. It's like professionally yeah, it's done. Along. <laughs> look, look at that stain. Yeah. Some good stain right there. Really, I it's think good. the stain is the highlight. No it's doubt. Nice. It's good yeah. work. It's good work. Um, but we got a ton of good questions over the course Great. of the show. Uh, people have been putting questions into chat. I doubt that we're going to get through all of them, y'all. It's always that disclaimer, but I'm going to try and get through as many as I can here. And there's sort of a funny one to start with. Uh, are there cheat days in space? So you go out and you do EVA for six hours. You come back in. Are you still on the hook for your two hours of workout? Or can you say, God, no. I just deployed 600 pounds <laughs> of solar panels? Yeah. yeah. There are cheat days, yeah. Okay. There are absolutely cheat days. Um, in, in fact, a lot of a lot of crew members will not want to do exercise the day before their spacewalks. Obviously, they don't get scheduled for it the day of their spacewalks because that in itself is is a lot of work. And then the day after, they might just need a little bit of a break, and so they might not they might not get on the machine for three days. They might get on the machine just to kind of just work through some, you know, just kind of work out a little bit just to get a sweat going. But it's not as it's not an arduous workout that they'll do. So there are definitely cheat days. And we have built-in days. You know, they get scheduled six days out of seven for sure that they were expected to work out. Uh, a lot of people ask for a seventh day to get scheduled because they just want to have that option. Um, but a lot of people take at least one day of rest. Everybody needs rest. Gotcha. That makes good sense. Like, Mike, were you like, I just fixed the Hubble. Come on, I get a day off. Like, <laughs> Well, I don't know if you called it a cheat day. It was like a recovery day. We did our The way we did our spacewalks is we did five days in a row and we would switch. So you would do a spacewalk and then the other team would go out and then you'd go out the next day. And so you'd, I don't know if I'd call it, I don't really know what a cheat day is. I probably should because I probably took enough of them without realizing what they were. But you really, it was more like a recovery day. Right. And, and yeah. Uh, you, yeah, you didn't want to, you probably didn't want to do much before the day before your spacewalk. You just wanted to rest up and as best you could. And then, and then your, your spacewalk definitely counted. Same way we would go in the NBL. I mean, the, the NBL, the neutral buoyancy lab, I see like in the background of our, of our four faces there is an underwater shot of uh, spacewalk training. So that was the same thing. That would, that would kick your butt enough that you, then next day you probably were maybe doing something light, maybe a little light run yeah. or something light to loosen up. But you don't want to uh, be you don't want to be overly tired when you go and have to have the, the yeah. next day of doing a spacewalk or something. Right, like recovery that. is really important. I remember one time Mark said to me, Mark, what we were talking about earlier. Um, I, I guess I'd been to the gym I don't know how many days in a row or something, and I walked in that one afternoon. And he goes, "Why are you here again?" And I, he goes, "How many days?" And I was there for. He goes, "You know, Mike, maybe we should just take a day off." He goes, "Sometimes a guy needs a break." That's all I needed. So see you later. So I was out of there. But that's all, it only happened to me once. But I think I had been in a, a bunch of days in a row. And he goes, sometimes a guy just needs a break. I think he, you know, I, I, he probably didn't want me in the gym that day because I was going to annoy him. Nah. But, but that's a, so I think it's, you know, that's, you know, as Bruce says, every once in a while, I guess you do need a break. And you guys Words are good of wisdom. At telling us how to do that too. 
Uh, let's see here. Here's a good question. I, I wonder how much we've pushed the limits of this. Uh, how long can someone be in weightlessness or microgravity before it gets dangerous for a human being? Like, are we are we able, able to keep up with those machines and the resistance and the cycling and stuff like that? Or, or do the astronauts ever get to a point where it starts to get dangerous? Well, we, we've, we've gone long duration now. Uh, we had Scott Kelly up there for uh, around a year. Uh, and it does, you know, there's things that, first of all, we, we mentioned the bone and the uh, loss and the muscle loss. Uh, the other thing you worry about is the total radiation exposure. You take a, you, you know, you're still inside the earth's magnetic field. So you're still pretty well protected. Yeah. If you go out to back to the moon or Mars, then it's really bad. Uh, but you worry about that. So there are things that, you know, um, it, it, that the, uh, the, the, the months add up after a while and you have to be careful about but Bruce, what what was the what were the things you were seeing with the uh, with the year long missions that you worry about the most? I think that um, I think that the uh, monotony of the exercise it becomes a big issue. Honestly, um, you know, there's only three exercise devices, and it might sound like, wow, they have three exercise devices. I don't have anything at my house or something like that. But you know, it's <laughs> when you're doing the exact same thing every single day, and you might do a different a version of the cycle ride, or you might do a different version of the running on T2, but the weightlifting part of it, the resistance exercise, it's all resistance exercise. You know, it might not be single leg squat day. It might be, you know, deadlift day. I don't know, but it's all basically a rotating program. And after, after for at least the program that we kind of follow now, after nine days in a row of it, you've done you've done the whole rotation. So, so multiply that by how many weeks that you're going to be up there. And I think it'd become pretty monotonous for somebody to, to stay up there and day after day after day, they're doing a lot of the same stuff and they just, yeah. they just don't want to do the same thing. So for Scott Kelly, I, I didn't work with Scott and in his in-flight, but I, the option was there to kind of change up his workouts kind of midstream and okay, let's kind of, kind of do something completely different as far as the way we program. Problem is it's still on the same device. And so, you have that. It's it's kind of tough sometimes for the the ones that are up there for a really long time. Yeah. I mean, you got to think about it. Like, this is something that we don't think about when we're walking around. But if I'm walking, I go outside and I take a walk or something like that, I'm carrying 180 pounds, right? Yeah. 200 pounds, whatever. Right. And in space, you may be moving yourself around. You have inertia and stuff, but you're not do just that 170 pounds. That's something I had never thought of before. So good show. I, I thought of something I never thought of before. The <laughs> fact that when you're just moving around here, you're carrying your own body and you don't have that That's in right. space. So you got to make up for it, right? You got to work extra hard. So, yeah, we have to compensate for that load that we prescribe. Yeah, that's a that's a just a, another cool thing that you might not think about. Like, oh, I'm so out of shape. Well, you know, you get outside and you walk down the street. You've still carried your own weight. So, good job. You started. Just do something. Yep. That's right. Do something, <laughs> just like you said. Um, Bruce, we should also we should tell our listeners how you run on a treadmill in space. In, in yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so um, you wear a harness. They uh, <laughs> NASA helped design a harness with uh, you know some outside companies that, that develop. Um, backpacks and they fit they fit very similar to a you know, higher end backpack and uh they have these little clips on them and you can clip in with a bungee it's like three or four you know bungee corded type devices that that come up and they hook into your your waist area of the backpack and it pulls you down to the belt the uh, treadmill belt and that's how you get that that stay on the belt type you know gravitational pull so to speak and uh, then from that point, the treadmill just operates like a regular treadmill. It starts to move. And if you want to move with it, you have to either walk or run. And so that, that pull-down force is what we 
we prescribe the speed, the time on the, on the treadmill. Plus we, we suggest, cause it's not programmable, but we suggest how much pull down force that they, they, they target that day. And so that, that, the rubber bungee type, you know, pull down straight to the floor is what keeps you on the treadmill. Because otherwise, you take a step running and you just fly away from the treadmill. You wouldn't have a second step. Right. It keeps you, it it keeps you there. Also, there's a there's an isolation element to it too, right? For vibration isolation, there is. On yeah, the, that's kind of that's something that you know, regular treadmills or other exercise devices don't have. Yeah. Right? Can you explain that? T uh, two is yeah. T two is pretty unique. It's a it's a what they call a passive uh, isolation system. So it's it has. It has these uh, corner on on each corner of the space or of the the treadmill itself. It has these little pins, and they kind of float inside this little cup area. And the treadmill essentially is floating in in microgravity, just like somebody that's floating in through the capsule. It's floating itself, and it when it turns on, it starts to spin up, and it can kind of vibrate itself and move and shift. And that's why it has those corner they call snubbers that it keeps them in in place. But it's essentially a passive system, so it is floating in the air just as much as everybody else is. And you get on that, you sent you you sent yourself down with those bungees to the T2, and then you are basically part of the machine. And you turn it on, it starts to move, and you have to run with it then. But it it the the isolation of it is that it floats, and then it has its own vibration isolation system built in. So where it, if it were to bump into its own part of the machine, then it, you know it kind of corrects itself. And all of that is monitored by NASA. It, it, they know when specifically if that thing kind of gets out of whack and bumps into something and they, it's all registered because those forces have to go somewhere and yeah. they're all picked up. So the reason for that is you have a lot of science experiments on there yeah. that are trying to do experiments in zero gravity. And if you're running on a treadmill and you're shaking the whole space station, it's, it's, it messes up the science experiments. So that's why they, that's why they have those isolations. Yeah. yeah. And there are some smooth running astronauts. And then we have other astronauts that, that kind of pound the pavement and, and it, it does a good job of not letting all those forces go into the rest of the station. To keep the zero gravity environment there for all the experiments that are yeah. going. So it's pretty, there's a lot to this stuff, I guess, is the point. It's, um, you know, like, we Garrett pointed out you need a harness and Bruce explained of course to keep you because you're going to float away and and also you don't want to incur vibration into the into the uh into the entire station to shake it up and ruin the microgravity experiments and yeah. so there's a lot that goes into this anything you design and you're going to use in space is I think always a little more challenging than it is on the ground because you have these extra things to worry about. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting. You know, I, I hadn't thought of that either. Like it's not just somebody's trying to sleep in the next module over and you hear thump 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 running away on the treadmill. Um, I had never thought about how all the motions the astronauts need to go yeah. through to stay in shape could affect the equipment there. Yeah. Um, and NASA probably knows that, right? Like they probably have some sensor and they're like, oh, Garrett's on the treadmill yeah. again. It looks like a Category three earthquake or whatever earthquakes are measured in. We don't have actually. Them in Texas. They can. They can tell can they really? who is they because they can. They know the frequencies of the runners and they can tell who it is after they've been up there for a while. They'll know who is specifically running. They can tell by the cadence and they can tell by the way that they run. No kidding. And they also know who's scheduled, but I mean, it's, they can <laughs> also tell. But they can actually tell by by the by the frequency. They, if you look at somebody that studies that type of stuff for NASA, they could say no. It's that's uh. FE2 or, you know, whoever is assigned to that, that yeah. flight engineer. Yeah, like, like, 
Is uh, somebody running up their really stubby legs? Must be Reisman on that thing again. (laughs) (laughs) It's a higher frequency. Higher frequency. That's Um, right. Let's see here. Uh, We talked about how many hours a day. Is is it still two hours a day for folks that are on station? Is is that the normal thing? It's two and a half hours a a day of scheduled time. Now, they they usually use the resistance exercise device for about an hour. As our routines kind of take them through that exercise session, it's usually about an hour, maybe a little bit more. the cycle and the T2 treadmill, those are usually 35 to 40 some odd minutes uh, as far as the, how long they're on that. And, but that's, that's how long they're, they're running, you know, like my program. Right. But that, like I said, there's, there's plenty of time that they have to, to prep and clean up. And uh, that's all built into that two and a half it's hours. Two and, and a half that's hours. scheduled daily. So, you know, the, the, what I used to say to people, and maybe sometimes I still do, is that exercise on space is so important that it takes up pretty much more time than anything else that's scheduled on your calendar as an astronaut, except for sleep. Yeah. Because if you think about, you know, the spacewalks are scheduled, but you might, you might be out the door for five hours or more, but that might only happen once or twice or three times during your mission. And what else happens every single day other than sleep that you have to do every single day for two and a half hours. It's a lot of time that's on the books. And yeah. so it's, it's a pretty important aspect of, of life on the space station. Yeah. Do the astronauts have a lot of flexibility when they take that time? Like, is it some, someone like to get up and I've just woken up and now I'm going to go do my exercise and someone like to do it in the evening or lunch. I mean, do they have flexibility? Yeah. What do you think, Gary? Well, we, we, I think we had more flexibility back in my day when there were just three of us. So I remember Peggy, who, by the way, we were talking about like astronauts that are really athletic and strong. I mean, we talked about Scorch and CJ and Hopper and these guys, but Peggy could kick all of our butts. I just want to put that out there that she she was my commander and she could she could crush all of us. I heard um, she's a heck and, of a backup basketball player too. What's that? She was good. I hear there was there was games in the in the on the old gym court and she yep, was yeah. dominated that court. She did. She was good. She yeah. She's a good player. No doubt. She's intense. And, and uh, she, she also grew up on a farm in Iowa, so she would like to get all of her exercise done in the morning. So, so uh, Yuri and I, we would uh, be up late, and, uh, and we would sleep in. And then by the time we woke no. up, she was done. She was, like, had everything, she was done for the She had most of her work done, too, for the day, and we were just rolling out of bed. Uh, and um, anyway, so, so we had that flexibility. But I think, Bruce, now it's yeah. a problem right because you got seven crew up there yeah. right now ah, three yeah. on the soyuz four in the dragon that's right and so that a red is really you know seven times two and a half that doesn't leave you too much uh flexibility much i think they, yeah. they're kind of slotted in and you got to go during your slot right yeah so you have your uh you know you have your time of, of just doing all the work the astronauts do on the station then you have your your pre-sleep and then your during your sleep and then your post-sleep time it's all scheduled meals everything else is scheduled on your on your day um, exercise is one of those things that's scheduled by the, the BMEs, and um, you have to follow that to a T. That's why we try and keep our, our A-RED sessions to a right around an hour. It just makes it easier for them to schedule things if they're, if they're scheduled for an hour here, an hour there, or if it's a two-hour block, and then you have a half hour, 15 minutes on each end of it to clean up. You know, a lot of times it's just a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour block. They have to do all the exercises in total. It's not like it's broken up, you know. Because once you guys get all grimy from sweating and, and everything you do up there, you don't want to have to get cleaned up and then go back to a different device, right? You want to you want to kind of be able to knock it all out. So it, it just it's really tough for scheduling. I think that I would not want that job to have to squeeze it all in and figure out. Like you said, everyone's got their their likes. Some people want to do it right there first thing in the morning, and others 
want to do it later on in the day and to make everybody happy and to get everybody on the machine on a daily basis is probably not an easy task. It's, and you have docked ops going on that you can't use the machine or something like that. It's EVAs can't use the machine. So it's a lot to, it's a lot to take in. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Gary mentioned that Gary, when you were on board with Peggy, that was a crew of three, the station out of right. three. So then we expanded to six and I think that may, but with the crew of seven, it's been interesting. Some of the downlinks we've had, I think Garrett, you and I were together on one with, with Soichi was asked that question. Soichi Unaguchi was up there uh, the uh, couple expeditions ago. And he was saying that was, you know, they, it's great to have more people up there, but, and Megan was talking about this too. We did a downlink with her crew with her about you, but it's things like using the, even the, you know, getting to the restroom and, and the, uh, you know, the things that you weren't an issue with sharing before. Now you have seven people up there, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a more challenging something to need to think about. It's great to have yeah. more people up there, but yeah, you know, it's not just food and water. It's also being able to use all the gear. Yeah, in the machines, the machines can't break. They go down. Yeah. One machine goes down, and everybody suffers. So yeah, it has to be robust to engineering. No kidding. Another good question that's sort of along the same lines. There, you were you're talking about getting sweaty and grimy. Um, two parts to it in the space station is it like humid is it dry i know i've i've been on the desert where i go hiking and i never even notice that i'm sweating because it just evaporates right off and then you go down to like south texas or johnson or something like that and you walk outside and you need to take a shower it's so humid right um yeah. on station do the astronauts get sweaty and is there anything weird about that where like oh you sweat and then the sweat gets in your eyes because of microgravity it's not dripping off of you um any special considerations there yeah, so like I remember the Russian segment was a little more humid, um, which is ironic was the opposite. So like Mos Moscow was like cold and dry, and then yeah, yeah. Houston is like hot and 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 yeah. and and they wanted to get away. Humid. They wanted to get away from the snow, Garrett. Maybe yeah. that's what it was. <laughs> I, so gotta get away but, from it. You know, yeah. yeah, I know. I, I don't blame them, but uh, but so I remember that. But the but the uh, uh, the U.S. and European Japanese part of the space station is. Uh, pretty cool and dry it, it, it's uh pretty comfortable over there uh so um but as far as sweating yeah it's an issue because uh you start sweating but it doesn't run down your face or your right. body it doesn't like and, it, and 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 so it kind of just builds up so you get like this thin layer of sweat like all especially around your head no kidding. and then somebody asks you a question and you're like what and you're like a dog that does really <laughs> you know that does this and it goes everywhere so we would keep a little towel like right above the exercise equipment. So, and you would, you would train yourself to like periodically grab that thing and, and wipe and, and, and dry it off because otherwise uh, you can really make a, a mess of, uh, up there. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. And the, I suppose uh, if the, you had hair, it might work better. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. No, you still need to tell you. I mean, we used to, on the shuttle, we just had a biker gometer, but you'd get pretty sweaty using that thing. And, and yeah, you'd want to towel yourself off. But the, one of the differences is the sweat on the space shuttle, you, you, like if you had, you'd hang your towel up to dry and it would, it would, you know, the air conditioning yeah. in there would, would more or less would, would dry it out. Um, they did give us special shirts. I think the difference between my first and second flight that we'd have different shirts that had like silver thread in them or something that was supposed to not stink as bad because you couldn't really do laundry. So you could exercise your nose and supposedly, you know, use them a couple times before they start to stink. But the sweat on the shuttle would get, you know, the the this the air system would take care of that and putting in a wastewater tank. But on the station, what would happen to your water, Garrett? But well, it, was that, I was there was that thing working back then or was that before? 
And I was I was there before All we right, were. What happens uh, now? <laughs> yeah, now. So now those poor guys, those poor people yeah. up there in the space station, they 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 get like all the sweat and other bodily fluids. Okay. P. All get all get recycled <laughs> and, and filtered, or so they say, and uh, and processed, and it becomes your drinking water. Right. <laughs> I mean. So I remember we. So we. My last mission, they had that they had that system in place when I went up there in STS one thirty two. Mm. And but we were the shuttle crew and we didn't have to drink their water because the shuttle made a lot of water as a byproduct of the, of the fuel cells. Yeah. So we had tons of water over there. So they just said to drink all the much. fresh water you want. You don't have to drink the recycled water on the space station. In fact, they preferred you don't so that they can conserve it. And so we were like, fine, we'll drink our, our fresh water. <laughs> and uh, the pilot, uh, Tony Antonelli, came up to me one day. He goes, hey, Garrett, you know, those poor space station astronauts. They're gonna have to drink the sweat off of our. I'll just leave it there. I'm not gonna tell you. What it's family, family friendly show. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> oh, let's uh, see. We probably have. But they have... do clean it. That's not a very pleasant thought. Yeah. There, but you know, there's there's all sorts clean. of NASA equipment that filters it and stuff like that, right? Yeah. It's not just straight. Oh, Bring yeah. out the towel and like. <laughs> I yeah. didn't. I never tasted it. I don't know. <laughs> well, you must have tasted on the ground. The same system on the ground, supposedly, right? Yeah, I wasn't going to drink that. Did you drink that? Yeah, I want to see what it was like. I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> How bad could it be? I figured, you know, trying to get. Rid- wasn't that bad? You didn't have to. <laughs> so here's a, here's a great one. Here's a great one. Um, since we've got shuttle and we've got space station here, right? Uh, were there any differences when you came home? from shuttle versus station. I guess station may be a little bit longer stay. Shuttle were some shorter type trips. So does that get taken into account when you come back home and you have your recovery routine back down on the ground? Um, whoever wants to start talking about that. Well, yeah, I mean, for the shuttle, what in my I had two shuttle flights, and it really wasn't very much in the rehab. It was more our vestibular system, our balance coming back. We didn't lose much in strength. Uh, Garrett had an interesting case where he had a few months away and also a shuttle flight. And, of course, Bruce sees all kinds of examples. So those guys could probably add a little bit more to that. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I bounced back. Everybody, you know, a a shuttle flight, which is, you know, like 10, 12 days, is uh, much easier to bounce back from than being up there for months. Uh, uh, You know, you just have more. The the, the process that Bruce was describing, that rehab process, really is like a year-long process uh, although it's, you know, it's, it's protected and, and intense for only the first couple of months. But, um, but that rehab is really designed for somebody who's deconditioned is what we call it. When okay. you've been up on the space station for months and months and, and, and your body is really, it needs to readapt when you're up there just for a, like a, a little bit over a week, uh, you, you, you know, you could do some basic, um, you know, it takes a day or two for your vestibular system, your sense of balance to come back, but, but it, it comes back pretty quickly. Uh, it's, it's very, very different for a long duration flight. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce, what did you what did you see? You probably uh, also helped Scott Kelly when he came back from a year, right? Uh, Mark worked with Scott Kelly. I yeah. didn't work with him. But you must have him. seen him. But was it was it much different? Or some of the long ones? I guess Peggy was up for nine months or so, right? She was. That, she was up a long time. And then um, Christina was up for. Christina was up there for like longer 10, than that, even ten and a half, eleven months. Is there yeah. anything you've noticed? Is there a difference between you know Garrett well, was up for three months or the I six know that, months or the year? Or, Anecdotally, I, I know that just from watching those different crew members, you know, like Garrett said, everyone's different, and and the near vista, near vestibular issues are what we see right from the start, right? So, 
you know, people are just not going to walk the same way. And so that's why we, we kind of start with basic movements, you know, um, near vestibular issues affect, I think every crew member to some extent, Yeah. some people just don't really show it as much, you know, and, and some people are really affected a lot more. Some people just, it takes a good couple of days before they really feel like they're back on their feet again, whereas somebody else might take them a couple of hours. Um, yeah. I know that everybody, everybody has these, say, say we have, I think it's like 10 different areas that we try to focus on that, that we see these deficits from everybody. And it's just, everybody has a deficit of some sort in these 10 areas, whether it's near vestibular or whether it's strength, muscle, uh, cardiovascular balance, you know, any of these, any of these types of problems, everybody has a problem in some area, but, um, the extent of that problem is different with every single crew member. So we try to focus on, on what they're, what is affecting them the most. And we kind of work around that and we, we just give them exercise that, that basically works on those particular deficits. Gotcha. Um, we, we try to like to, we like to say that we force adaptation through exercise and, um, you know, to, not to pick on the Russians, but they, they tend to do a little bit more of a, a soft approach where they, they kind of do club bed, you know, they, they just kind of let it happen. Club and uh, <laughs> just like that. They, they go and they sit in a sauna, you know, and then they go and drink some vodka maybe. I don't know. There, there uh, is a, a, a cosmonaut gym, I, I should point out. I've seen it. Star it's City. pretty nice, actually. It is pretty nice, but it's, it's lightly used. It's very it's lightly used. used. <laughs> the, uh, that's why it's so nice, I think. The, uh, the equipment was the nicest 1970-era equipment I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, it was beautiful stuff. I remember when they would come and use our gym, and it was like differences in what they would do. From my recollection, like they would, they used to like playing badminton. They, they used them, to take yeah. the medicine ball and dance. It was like they were doing like dance aerobics or something. And I remember seeing, huh. what the heck are these guys doing? So I'm, I'm, I could imagine, oh, you know, we're lifting. Probably say the same thing. These Americans, they lift weights. What's the matter with these guys? They're doing, yeah. you know, they so, think we're so. nuts. To put yeah, them, I think put yeah, it's probably just a difference. Yeah. But, but I tell you so, what, you, the young astronaut or the young cosmonauts yeah. they have coming through now are a totally different group of people. They yeah. are, they are a lot more what you would consider westernized as far as exercise goes. They 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 do a good job. Interesting. Huh. Maybe you guys had an influence there. That's good. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's us. I think it's just the culture in general. It just have moved that way. Yeah. And but, really quick. One thing I, I just wanted, the thing that, that Bruce, I thought was interesting. Are you saying about the, the length of stay? Is it more, more tied to the individual, the rehab versus the length of stay? Is well, it more... I, yeah, I think that um, Jeff Williams said to me one time that, that he thinks that it's, it's one week for every month. Like if you kind of put yourself in that, okay. if you know, and that's, it's kind of like the, the mindset of, of, you know, our, our reconditioning program, if it's 45 days, you kind of figure it's about six weeks. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, most people, when they come back after we, after we put them through that 30 to 45 day period and we do that, you know, the baseline testing again, everybody seems to be right back to where they were from their baseline, if not yeah. have exceeded the, their baseline. Makes sense. And so the program that we, we put them through tends to be working. But I think that like Garrett said is, I don't know. Do you do you remember a date on the calendar, Garrett, that you just say, "I feel back to normal now"? Was it right around three months? Was it six uh, months later? I, what do you think? So, um, I bounced back really quickly. It was, and I think it's, uh, and and maybe you could comment on this, Bruce, but I think short, stocky guys seem anecdotally yeah. to to do better. I've heard and, that, yeah. and so I bounced. They they let me. Um, I remember I was back on my uh, strength baseline in a week, 
I, 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 re- I reached pre-flight baseline numbers after a week, and, and my vestibular came back really fast. I mean, the day I landed, I walked into the press room for the, for the press conference you know, under my own power, and I got like a standing ovation from the press corps. It was really yeah. funny. It was kind of like, like being an infant all over again. It's like, oh, look, he's walking. Oh, <laughs> you know? and, and then like, like they let me drive my car. Sometimes that- I could take a month. They let me drive after like three days. Uh, a standing it, ovation it, might have been just because it was you. Well, I, I, I'm I, would have, I, I, I really, it was the first time in my life that being short came in handy other than like limbo contests at bar mitzvahs when I was 13. <laughs> <laughs> you know? but I, I think that helped me out. Yeah, I heard that you wanted to walk off the shuttle and they said, no, 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 we're not going to let it. A long duration crew member walk off the shuttle. You had to go up through the, through the door. Through the door, the door thing, but it's a, it, that was all right. I, I got to walk around the shuttle on the. Uh, oh, you with, did. Okay. With, uh, on the um, it, it, I had to go out the, the the CTV entrance CTV. there, and they had the the uh, Jim Locke was like the the flight doc was standing right next to me, and um, yeah. But I went out to the bar that night, so oh, and actually, so and uh, uh, I I went out and and I, but all I could manage was a half a cheeseburger, and a half a beer, okay, and my after being up in space for three months. On the, my first night back, and I came back from my shuttle flight, went to the same bar, and I had a whole beer and a whole cheeseburger. So people ask me, "What's the difference between long duration and short duration?" I have a quantifiable answer: it's a half a cheeseburger, half a beer. That's the difference. So I think you could write like a NASA paper on that, like some, some huge study yeah. on the differences. That's the way you should do it, Bruce. Why don't you do that? See yeah. how you know. I can do that. We can start that next week. Yeah, we'll, we'll write it up. The stuff that I used to see the differences was uh, mainly, like you said, when they were, people were walking. If it was, you know, the longer they were up there, it just seemed to be affected a little bit more. They didn't move quite as fast. They had a wider stance. They might want to have a hand out to the, to the side, maybe to touch the wall, just to give them a little bit more of assurance or just a hand on a, a flight dog shoulder and they can kind of move down the hallway. You'd mm-hmm. see some people kind of zigzagging a little bit in the crew quarters. And that was pretty common to see that. And it, it tends to just go away over the next day or two. And that was the um, vestibular. It was the word you used, vestibular. That's yeah, like near, your balance. Or, issues. What, what is that, I, your I'd say that near or? vestibular issues are probably the the big focus right now. Is that yeah. we don't, I don't want to say that we that we have it all figured out with cardiovascular, although I think we do a really good job. And I don't want to say that we've got bone completely figured out, but I think we do a really good job with it. But near vestibular issues are, are a really big, big thing right now. If you think about going to the moon and doing, doing, moonwalking or going on to say Mars, it's a long trip. You have to be able to get there and then do work. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to get there and put some sort of hab together? And if you have to schedule time for someone to get their, their, you know, their, get their sea legs back, I guess. Yep. Um, that just makes the mission longer and more difficult. So we have to, mm-hmm. we have to figure something out that, that allows us to maintain that, that near vestibular health. And if we can't, then we have to figure out how to get there faster. Or, or we just we just send a crew that's all short guys. Could be, yeah. yeah. Someone's got to do the work, Garrett. Yeah. Someone's going to have to work. The first Mars mission is all short guys. Nice. Keep your, Someone's going to have to do the work. I remember, I remember uh, Beth Shepard saying we talked about Beth earlier when I was uh, when I was new to the office. This is, I guess, maybe before we got into the long duration. But she said something I always remember. She said what they found with people returning from flight that the better shape they were in when they left was directly related to the shape that they were in, how good of a shape they were in when they were yeah. when they came back. So she was Still trying to encourage today. people, 
don't, you know, get, you know, before you flight, don't let the, don't let your gym time fall off. Yeah. Make sure yeah. you're in as best, a best of condition as you can be. The train has already left there. The and also when you get back. Yeah. We, we basically say the train's already left the station by the time you launch. So yeah. you want to, yeah. you want to get as good a shape as you can get before yeah. you launch. And, I'm going to go to the space station to get in yeah. shape. <laughs> to get in <laughs> shape. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe not. That's <laughs> well, not really how it well, works. Well, you know, if, if you go up as a couch potato, you might actually get into a better, a little bit better condition while you're up there. Ah, starting, yeah. starting at, at ground level is probably not a good idea. You want to start as high up. The more you have to lose, the better actually. So, we see people with, with some, you know, you talk about the deltas or losses, like Eric was talking about my, my, his post-flight testing and how he met his certain standards or, or his PRs, or if you, if you might think of them that way. If, if you're in really top shape, um, those deltas, those changes might actually look really big on paper. But if you think about it, you know, you had that much more to lose. And so your, your, your losses might actually be at the point that you are at those losses, you might actually be in much better shape than somebody that, that was uh, in, in a lot less, you know, not less, less yeah. condition. Well, if you need a and study so, on that, like somebody who starts off very low on the scale, I would be willing to, uh, <laughs> you would have to do any work on me at all. We could just yeah. go and we'll see how, how I end up. Well, um, all we, in the name of science. All in the, the name thing, of science. Let's the fly couch remember, potatoes and see what happens. The thing to remember on that is, is um, it's not just about, the losses it's it's where you start right so i think that like beth was saying that you you don't want to you don't want to start with an empty tank you want to have a, a a full tank when you make that yeah. trip so. yeah makes sense it's 705 now though yeah, I, I, I gotta jump yeah. in yeah yeah we gotta yeah we gotta let bruce go back to his life here yep we do this every <laughs> single time uh, y'all we never get through all of the questions thank y'all so much for asking so many cool questions in chat we got the queue i tried to get through as many as we could and actually combined a couple of them together that i saw there uh, but thank you for understanding that we never get through all the questions we have way too much fun with these shows um, but that is going to bring us to the end of our virtual astronomy live today thank you so much for our guest i mean i say guest i'll, I'll go mike garrett bruce thank you so much for uh, joining us today yeah, Thank thanks. For uh, thanks for having us, and and thanks. Bruce, it's great seeing you, man. I, <laughs> I really miss you. I, Come uh, back and uh, see I, us. I miss Garrett too, but I get to you know at least we do a podcast every once in a while together. <laughs> so I, but it's uh, it's really good. It was a lot of so many good memories down there, and a lot of uh, a lot of my memories. I know I'm sure Garrett as well was was spending time with you and the other the other folks in the gym. So yeah, I, I miss that you. too. Thanks, and, great, and, great uh, seeing you. You know, now that COVID's uh, on the way out, we uh, will start up our annual physicals again and. So hopefully yeah, I'll be getting yeah. by Houston and stopping by the gym, which yeah. is an, always a nice thing that uh, we get to do when we go back for our annual physical. Yeah. We get to, we still get to use the gym at least once a year. So come yeah. on by. Good. We got to move the building. It's in the same spot. All right. <laughs> and hey, remember, <laughs> y'all, the, uh, the virtual astronomy yeah. live shows don't just happen. They are sponsored or they're supported through a NASA cooperative agreement awarded to the New York Space Grant Consortium. Got to do some housekeeping there. And make sure you follow the channel at twitch.tv slash Intrepid Museum because we're doing another one next month. Next month on August 19th, we're going to be talking about spacesuits. So uh, learning about the different systems and designs that they mm -hmm. use for spacesuits to keep the astronauts safe while they're up in space. So make sure you follow the channel. That's my housekeeping. That's all I've got to do today. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us hey, today. Wait, wait. Can, can I add one thing, though? Oh, can sure. Can we do housekeeping for our podcast? Uh, of course you can. Thank you. Yes. Yes, so we are. our podcast is Two Funny Astronauts. Garrett, what, what do we want to tell the people? Like and subscribe. We don't care right. if you listen. We don't, don't care worry. if you watch. 
Don't worry about listening. <laughs> Just like and subscribe, please. Like for free. Thank you. If you have multiple accounts, like you can like multiple times. That's right. fine. We it's, don't have we don't have the same voting restrictions like we do in elections. You can vote as many times as you want. If you watch with and friends like and family, everyone needs their own account. Don't share your device or put it up on the TV. Everybody needs to have their own account. Right? Like and right. subscribe. That's it. Thank you. No worries. Uh, and I've I've, ca I've caught a couple two of funny you. astronauts. Yeah, two funny astronauts. We two funny astronaut podcast. <laughs> oh, anyways, y'all, uh, we've kept you over eight minutes now. Always a good time with y'all. Again, thanks so much for joining us. We don't do like a big outro or have like a song and dance or anything. Um, all we say is thank you so much for watching. We will be back next month, like I said, talking about space spacesuits, and we will see you nerds later. Thanks a lot for watching, y'all. <laughs> Take it easy. Bye, everybody. Good seeing Bye, everyone. Bruce. See you later. Take care. See you, man.